Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, G, U, corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Good morning, Jake. How are you now? Doing well, guys. How are you? Doing wonderful. On We're this arguing morning. about clutch versus choke. Are there cl- is there a such thing as clutch players, Jake? I believe that there are things such as clutch players, but the thing is, is I don't think that they just turn it on at random times. Uh, you're either clutch your entire career, you're clutch throughout the season. Uh, I don't think you just turn clutch. You're an average player in the regular season. All of a sudden, you turn clutch in the biggest moments in the playoffs. I, I have a hard time believing that. I haven't seen too much evidence of that. Jake's on Team Danny, it sounds like. Mm. Hashtag Team Danny. Mythology is cooler. Uh, Jake, speaking of mythology, this, this <laughs> story has always fascinated me, and you were there for it. And since Geno Smith has re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks, a different Geno Smith, an older Geno Smith, you were there for the infamous moment in the Jets locker room when Ike and Pally punched him in the jaw. Could you be a storyteller for us this morning? Because I'm sure lots of people have not heard what you saw in that moment. Yeah, my NFL experience with the Jets was quite unique, uh, very different than the one that I had in Seattle. And uh, this particular story was one of the reasons why. <laughs> um, I I had a bird's-eye perfect front view for it. I wasn't next to Geno in terms of his locker being in close proximity to it, but uh, I had the perfect view of it from, from my vantage point. But, you know, this was, uh, this was a strange situation that just continued to keep boiling over over a matter of, you know, $600. Um, and, you know... Uh, Ick being a guy who was a lower guy on the totem pole in terms of uh, a, a roster spot. He wasn't a guy getting paid, you know, millions of dollars. And um, and so, you know, a, a plane ticket to uh, come to his camp meant a lot to him that he went out and paid. And Geno Smith had a legit excuse not to go. Um, but Ick wanted uh, Ick wanted Geno Smith to not uh, not stiff him on six hundred dollars and and uh, and so I, apparently this had been boiling over for a year and after practice one day um, actually this was before a player walkthrough in the morning so we we're getting ready we just got done with meetings and, and we're about to go out on a walkthrough and uh, it comes up to to Smith and says, "Hey, I want my money." <laughs> and and Smith's like, "Come on, man! I, we're going out to uh, walk through. I'll get you later." And it was like, "No, I'm I'm done hearing that. I want it right now." And um, Gino kind of uh, pushed him back a little bit, not like heavy, but just pushed him back. Like, "Hey, can you get out of my face? I'm let's I'm going to go to go to walk through here." And uh, it it wasn't a close-handed fist; it was an open hand. That went across Geno Smith's face, and uh, it, it was it was I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I was shocked, um, and uh, big scuffle into the locker. And uh, Brandon Marshall was the one to go run over and break it up. And, and uh, I, I, everybody was just stunned, stunned as to what happened. I would be too. What a moment! Fights happen in locker there, rooms. That, they almost they almost never involve the quarterback. That was that was to me, and what remains to me, so weird about that. And 
I'll bet that that's a moment that that Gino probably regrets that it came to that. Uh, no doubt, because that that changed Gino Smith's career forever. You know, Gino Smith. This was kind of at the time. This was his last year to really prove that he could be a legit franchise quarterback. Um, and at the time, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the backup, and, and he took over for Smith. Uh, and they went on to win 10 games and have a pretty fun special year with him, Brandon Marshall, and Eric Decker. So uh, from that point on, you know, Geno Smith really became a perennial backup quarterback in the NFL. And, um, you know, I, I'll just say this, you know, being around Geno and, and talking with him, you know, he, he's, a, he's a much different guy uh, today than, than he was back then. And it's not to say that he was a bad person by any stretch, but I think he learned a lot in terms of leadership and, and how to handle uh, you know the the locker room situations and and not to let it boil over to to that point. Question two. All right, Jake. NFL teams when they when they do have their the the, the, the mini camps, they're going to be limited to five sort of non roster invitees. It doesn't mean that they'll have fewer undrafted free agents. But given that Seattle only has three draft picks, I I kind of feel that if 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 it's going to hurt anybody, this might actually hurt Seattle because they are certainly going to be looking under every in every nook and cranny to try and find contributors given their lack of draft capital. Oh, no doubt, Danny. And and when I saw this rule, I, it actually angered me. It got me really upset because the NFL is hard enough to get into it is a hard business to and and land on a roster but i remember coming out of college and uh and not being drafted danny and and being a tryout rookie myself at a rookie minicamp for the new york jets and i was uh i was one of two guys out of uh out of 75 guys that was participating that had the chance to sign with the team on the on the 90-man roster after rookie minicamp and so there are so many guys that are not going to get the opportunity to showcase their talent, showcase themselves, and have an opportunity to maybe make the roster um, in a place where they might not have had that that chance. So, uh, and now you've got you know the XFL isn't going to be around for quite some time uh, still, and and so there, there's just continuing uh, again for another year uh, a, a bunch of really talented football players that are just never going to have the the legitimate chance to to earn a, uh, a shot at the roster, uh, unlike any other year. So uh, for the Seahawks, it, it really hurts them tremendously, Danny, because they would have been a team that would have invited a ton of uh, uh, tryout guys. Um, they they are definitely going to be heavy into the undrafted rookie uh, market, and and quite honestly, guys, everybody talks about trading down and maybe getting you know some more picks. Uh, maybe four, maybe five in this draft, and with the needs that this team has and the lack thereof, I, I would be fine if they only drafted two guys. I'd be fine if they only used three of their picks, and they felt really good about all three and just really tried to hammer and hit hit that undrafted rookie market because I do think it will be rich of guys that will fall through the cracks. Question three. And I do hope that they're able to find some of those guys who slip through the cracks, Jake. The draft is next week, and we know you have advocated for offensive linemen. We have known you have advocated for wide receivers. You're a quarterback, though. I don't blame you for that. 
Is there a result in next week's draft that would make you upset? A weird draft where the Seahawks have only a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. The only way that I would be upset is uh, two scenarios. Tight end. I'm answering for Jake. I think Jake got cut off. Oh, no. How about... I'd be furious about tight end. You'd be no. furious? Uh, yes. I think that would be a strange one. Uh, I think that uh, if you went out and tried to draft a running back right now, I think it would be a strange selection. Uh, even though they've, they've had history and tradition of drafting a running back every single year, and definitely not safety at this point. So... Those positions right there, to me, would be kind of no-nos in this draft at this time. But I I really think it comes down to uh, uh, three positions and one wild card. I think it comes down to receiver three. If there is a really good interior offensive lineman or tackle that falls down to them, uh, in, in you know second, third round, wherever they're selecting their first pick, I think that becomes tempting for them. And and then you you got to look at corner. I think those three positions are premium. With the wild card pick being a potential defensive end, there's a lot of defensive ends out there that if they fall into the second, third round, which I think they will, that could be very intriguing, given the fact of Alden Smith. But I, I have a hard time seeing them do that at this point. I think they're going to be patient with the Alden Smith situation. So those first three positions are going to be the, the areas that I think they address early on. Paul, is there a position you'd be mad at? I don't want to see tight end. I, I'm going to scream if there's a tight end drafted. There's a part of me that would laugh really hard if they drafted a running back just because oh. there are so many fans out there that would lose their minds and I would get a cackle out of the immediate reaction, but that would definitely I, be the direction they should not Go I'd, in. Be, I'd be mad because it cost Travis Homer opportunities. Yeah. Okay. You'd be mad at, at costing <laughs> Travis Homer opportunities, Dan? That's that's correct, Jake. Travis Homer's me. pass. Travis I, I, Travis Homer's I, pass protection is awesome. Yeah, that's it, it is. It is awesome. But are, are, I, I sense a sense of sarcasm. Am I, no. am I sensing this correctly? It's not the only no. job of a running back, Danny. No, I believe I believe that Travis Homer, who people freak out about, is completely fine and adequate. So I love to advocate for him getting more opportunities because some people become such overreactive ninnies about it. Like, what is Travis Homer getting? getting? He's fine. It's, it's and more, he's a good pass protector. He's a good third down back. It's more, I, I just wonder why they sometimes give him handoffs in the spots where they do because he is not the biggest running back. You don't wonder. You, gets, sque- you squeal about it. Like, I, ah! I, I scoff. I scoff at it. Squeal. Squeal is an Okay, you're right. Scoff is is fair. In in Travis Homer's defense, uh, it's not his fault that the team only utilized him for the same for the same running play every time, and it was obvious that if he was going to get go, Jake. it was going to be a it was going to be a pitch on the outside. But I agree with you, though, Danny. He's a great he's a great pass protector. He's a reliable guy in the passing game. Um, but if they can be a little bit more versatile and not be so obvious when it comes to the game, what type of running play is coming, then uh, maybe Travis Homer uh, has a, has a better shot. Yeah, maybe mix a wide receiver screen in there four or five times a game. The An exact same one. one, please. Not a predictable yeah. one. Maybe one that you showed the exact same defensive coordinator three games earlier. Oh, my God. Danny, stop. Please. Please. It hurts. <laughs> Thanks Jake, so much, a- Jake. 
It's always fun to talk to you. We appreciate yeah. you having you, and and it's good to good to have the conversation. We'll look forward next week as we approach the draft. I'm sure that we will hit you up again. So we appreciate it very much. Anytime, guys. That is Blue Forty Two. Jake Heaps standing in for Michael Bumpus, who I believe is doing some work on the Pac-12 Network today, which is very exciting for him. Yeah. Bumpus, usually our Friday guest.